Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The This Time I'm Walking to New Orleans edition as the two and three Bengals look to get back to 500 as they face the two and three Saints inside the Caesar Superdome. Coming up, former Bengals wide receiver TJ Hushmanzada tells us how the Bengals can fix the problems they're having on offense. Eli Apple discusses letting his play do the talking as he returns to the Big Easy. I'll discuss criticism of the Bengals play calling with Dave Lapham. And finally, it's our Know the Foe segment as we visit with the voice of the Saints, Mike Haas. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the char-grilled oysters at Drago's. One of my good friends in the broadcasting business is Todd Graffanini, the radio voice of the NBA's New Orleans Pelicans. Todd was born and raised in New Orleans, and several years ago when I was visiting the city, he told me that I had to try the char-grilled oysters at Drago's. When I told Todd I didn't really like oysters, he said, I don't care. It's the single best bite of food you'll have in the city. So, out of respect for Todd, I took his advice, and they are amazing. Plus, they come with this sauce that you sop up with fresh bread, and that might be the best part. So, if you are going to the game this week, take Todd's advice and get the char-grilled oysters at Drago's. I'm drooling just thinking about it. Now, let's look ahead to Sunday's game. Through five weeks, the Bengals' offense has underperformed. Cincinnati is next to last in the league in yards per play and tied for 16th in scoring. The Bengals have scored 20 or fewer points in all three of their losses. So, what's the fix? I discussed it with one of the best wideouts in team history this week. The Bengals have had many great receivers over the years, but nobody caught more passes in a single season than T.J. Hushmanzada, 112, back in 2007. And the former Pro Bowl receiver joins us now. T.J., opposing defenses are trying to take away the deep ball from Cincinnati this year by playing two deep safeties all of the time, and it's been effective. What's the answer to beating that coverage? Run the ball. (laughs) (laughs) just run the ball and not only will it open up the passing game it's going to make it easier for the offensive line to block in the passing situations because now they can't just rush up the field uh worried about playing the pass they got to kind of hold their gaps to play the run so just run Jeff you can run the ball effectively and get four to five yards a pop they're going to bring the safety down and like everybody does um you call two to three plays at the line of scrimmage. If, if Joe sees, sees a single high, now we can throw it. Um, if it's too high, just run the ball and hope you can get four to five yards. You have been watching Joe Burrow closely since his LSU days. You've got a couple of daughters that have played softball there. What do you see when you watch Joe right now? I mean, he's still the same player. But you got to think, he, you have surgery in the preseason. Nobody really plays the preseason anymore. And so, in essence, the first two, three games – He's just trying to find himself and and get in the groove of playing football. 
But th there's times also when you're watching them first couple games, Joe's holding on to the ball because he wants to create the big play. And sometimes it's like, okay, let me just check it down. Let me uh throw this hitch route. Let me throw this five-yard in route or whatever it may. Let me throw this uh, drag route. Uh, so maybe later on down the game, it opens up the stuff behind it. But there's at times you've watched and he's held on to the ball and he gets sacked or he may get hit. It's all oh, the offensive line. And, and Joe knows part of that is on him, but he's trying to create the big play because he did that last year and it created the big play. After his record-setting rookie year, Jamar Chase is getting double-teamed on just about every route. How do you get your star receiver the ball when that's the case? I mean, it's simple, man. It's what I said earlier. If they're able to run the ball effectively, they're, they're not going to be able to double him. And when he's not doubled, I mean, it sucks. You just got to make – when you're not doubled, you got to make the play because when you start to get doubled – it's a badge of honor. You like, you really like that. You're like, oh man, they really respect me. But then it becomes annoying. Like, bruh, play me one-on-one. -on -one. But that's a respect thing for him. But also, if, if T doesn't go down with that ankle injury, T Higgins going to kill there. You can't double everybody. And so when you have T Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, those guys can force that double team to come off chase. And if they don't, you see what you saw with the Miami Dolphins. T. Higgins gets off and has a big game. And if they, they're willing to lose a game because you want to stop Chase from going off and T does, and so be it. Let's talk about the third member of the Cincinnati three-way, Tyler Boyd. When I watch 83, I see a lot of 84 from back in the day. Great hands, really tough uh, against the coverage over the middle, etc. This week, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan said they feel they need to get Tyler Boyd involved more. Do you agree? Yeah, anytime you can get the ball to other guys, it's going to open up who you really want to get the ball to. And so, yeah, Tyler Boyd, we're similar in that respect. I think I probably talk a little more trash during the game than he does, unless the camera doesn't show it as much. But again, the Bengals, it's a dilemma because they have so many weapons. When, when I was playing, it was Chad, myself, and we would run the ball. It was Chris Henry. But we didn't really utilize our tight end. Reggie Kelly was, in essence, a sixth offensive lineman, whereas now they they will utilize the tight end. So now it's more, more mouths to feed, so to speak. They just got to figure out a way to make this work. They're two and three, but each game has come down to the last possession, the last kick. And so I'm not, I'm not too much worried about them getting into the playoffs. I'm not too much worried about them turning this around. They just got to figure out a way how to get big plays, keep Joe off his back, and they'll be fine. We are chatting with former Bengals wide receiver TJ Hushmanzada, now the co-host of the Airing It Out podcast. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. The Bengals defense has given up five touchdowns in five games. When you watch this defense, do you consider it to be one of the best in the NFL? They're very good. Defense is very good. And, and you got to think about it is when you say who's the best out to me, when I think deep, when I think the Bengals nationally, people aren't going to think Jesse Bates outside of that. It's like, uh, is it Sam Hubbard? Is it Trey Hendrickson? The Bengals have a collective unit where they all can just really play. They built a team defensively that it doesn't just rely on one player having to get pressure on the quarterback or one DB uh, having to shut a receiver down. They just play collectively as a unit. Um, but the defense, they, they're doing this last year. 
It's not a secret. That's why I want him to resign Jesse Bates because mm-hmm. I think he's very important to this team. But when you see who they drafted, it's like, ah, Jesse, you might not be here long. But it's it's a business one. But they were doing this last year. So it's not a surprise to me. It's not a surprise at all. They head to New Orleans this week. A very loud place to play. The Saints are 2-3 and three under their new head coach, Dennis Allen. Do you have a couple of keys that immediately come to mind when you look ahead to Sunday? Man, the, the Saints are going to play really good defense. Uh, it's a reunion with Andy Dalton, so to speak. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll probably be under center for the Saints with Jameis Winston still hurt. Keep your composure. That that stadium is probably that Seattle Seahawks, Kansas City Chiefs. Those are probably the three loudest stadiums that I can recall playing in. So you just got to keep your composure. Um, make sure you know where Cam Jordan is every single play because he can wreck every play uh, throughout the entire entirety of the game. And the Saints don't – they don't really double guys. If you watch them play defensively, they put Marshawn Lattimore on your best guy and say beat him. They did it with Justin Jefferson. They didn't double him. When they play the Bucks, they don't double Mike Evans. So maybe this can be a game Jamar can look at it and say – Dennis Allen doesn't double guys. He puts Marshawn Lattimore on him and say, you got him. So maybe this will be a game that Chase can get off in. You mentioned Cam Jordan. You just had him on your podcast. Do you see that Cam Jordan versus L. Collins matchup possibly being the biggest matchup of the game? Yeah, no disrespect to Lyle Collins. They're going to have to make sure they give him help uh, here and there. Cam Jordan, he's just too good of a player, man. And you, you can't block him one-on-one. You have to account for him. You don't want a team's best players to beat you. And Lael Collins probably can block him by himself. I don't even want to find out. I don't want to get that crowd into the game. I don't want to get him into the game. I'm not letting your best player on that front seven beat me, and that's Cam Jordan. I got to take him out the game. All right, a couple more topics for TJ Hushmanzada. What did you think? of the white helmets and the white unis on Thursday night football. Oh man, it was so clean. We've always had the white helmet in an equipment room, even when I was playing, just could never wear it. But nah, that was, I got so many messages. That's probably, that's probably the coldest uniform in the league that all white, no question. It was nice, real nice. Tell them to send me a Jersey. I will definitely pass along the message. You did a really cool thing. Prior to the Super Bowl, you helped arrange for an 86-year-old, lifelong Bengals fan to get tickets to that game in Los Angeles against the Rams. What motivated you to do that? Somebody sent that to me, and I had already given my tickets to my uncle. And so I didn't have a way to get any more tickets. And so, like I said, a friend of mine sent that to me, and... I forget. It was a Saturday. I do remember that. It was a late Saturday night. And I looked at the uh, Instagram. He sent it via uh, Instagram. And I looked and I was just laying in the bed. And for some reason, I was like, you know what? Let me go back to this clip. So I went and watched it. And I was just, and I showed my wife and my wife kind of got like sad about it. So I clicked on the link and I found the name and I just DM'd her. And I said, I'm going to call you tomorrow. And then she DM me right back. But I went to sleep because it was like midnight here. So it was probably three o'clock in uh, Cincinnati. I called her the next day. She didn't. It was Lizzie. She didn't believe it was me. Um, We talked. I was like, I'm going to try to get some tickets for you. I called the NFL. They said they'll try to help. 
And in the process, I called the Bengals and uh, Alex Simons. And so Alex was uh, tremendous in helping me because the NFL would have also helped. But Alex was able to help me um, through the Bengals. And so I, just, I bought him two tickets. A lot of times we kind of take for granted as players, the fans that come to the games, they want your autograph. They want a picture like who the are we, excuse my language, that you want this from us. And you kind of take that for granted. And so I think that's the least we can do. At least that was the least I could do. You supported me all the years that I played there. Um, if I could help you and I was able to help you, I'm more than willing to do it. But you, this is the problem, though. Now everybody is like, hey, can I get tickets to this? Can I go? Like, what do you mean? I can't continue to do this now. Well, if they go back to the Super Bowl, that's a different level. You can't just constantly be firing out, TJ, hook me up with tickets. That is a different level. They, but I'm going to be honest, I think in the next handful of years, they got a chance to uh, be a frequent visitor there. I really do. I couldn't agree with you more. The Joe Burrow era, I'm confident they're going to get back. TJ, this has been great. Uh, always appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, continued success with the Airing It Out podcast. And uh, we look forward to catching up again sometime down the road. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll get back in the uh, W column after we beat the Saints ass this week. Trust and believe it. TJ certainly sounds confident. Here's hoping the Bengals back it up on Sunday. The Bengals Booth podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities, and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Six games ago, Zach Taylor had the Bengals one defensive stop away from winning a Super Bowl. This past Monday, a significant portion of the fan base questioned whether he should give up play-calling duties. That comes with the territory when you go for it on fourth and goal, or try a couple of gadget plays inside the five-yard line that don't work. This week, Joe Burrow was asked about the Bengals' play calling. Every play is designed to, to work if we execute it the right way, right? Um, and so you can talk all you want about the play calling, but at the end of the day, the players have to go out and execute the, the play the way it's supposed to be executed. And if we do that, the play is going to work. It's always tough in those situations because if you go for it on fourth down and you get it, you look like the smartest dude in the world and you don't get it, you know, you're going to take some heat. Those are the gambles that, that we face every single week in this profession. Uh, didn't go our way this time. We've had several that have. As I've said in a couple of places this week, there is a statue dedicated to the Philly special outside of the stadium in Philadelphia since it helped the Eagles win a Super Bowl. It did not work out quite so well for the Bengals in Baltimore. I asked my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham, about play calling this week on the Bengals Game Plan Show. The call is executed properly. You get what you were hoping you were going to get. Look-wise, everybody's like, oh, my God, genius. It's uh, called it the perfect time, the perfect play. Everybody goes crazy. So it's like the highest of highs. When it doesn't work, where you have assignment errors up front and you have multiple defensive players penetrating and that kills a shovel pass if one penetrates you're in trouble three penetrated you're done and put a fork in it and it's like oh that's the stupidest thing in the world well in hindsight you wouldn't do it obviously if you knew that's the way it was going to turn out but there's two responsibilities there's the play call by the coach then there's the execution of the play call by the players 
and probably, you know, you could argue there might have been better plays to call. You can definitely argue the execution had to be much better than it was. On the, on the uh, Philly special, you just had a, a great player make a great play. Marcus Peters dropped coverage on Demar Jamar Chase. Just dropped coverage on him to run at Tyler Boyd. And he, he cut on him so quickly, Tyler Boyd couldn't even react to throw the ball away. You can throw it away. You're out of pocket. You're basically the quarterback. You're the passer, the ball in your hand. But, you know, it's the reverse pitch back. You're out of pocket. Throw it away. And now it's third down from the two-yard line instead of the, tw the 14. But they get, you know, 12 back on third down, uh, on the third down play and try the shovel pass. I think two gadget plays in a four-play sequence from the two-yard line is probably, or actually three plays because you weren't at the two-yard line after the loss. But two gadgets in that three-play sequence is probably a little, a little over the top. Um, and if I'm an offensive lineman in that situation, I don't come to the sideline, you know, complaining about the play call. I come to the sideline and find out what happened, why it didn't work. And the, on top of that, even more so, I say to my fellow offensive linemen, boys, we got to pick it up. First and goal at the two, we don't run the ball one time. They have no confidence in us up front. They will not put the, 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 the onus of responsibility on us getting push enough where we can gain two yards in three snaps, you know, not even thinking about the field goal potential. We have three downs to get two yards. From the, and and we're, they're not running the ball one time. We suck. We have to get better. We have to do a better job up front. That's what I would do. I would, I would you know, call the group together and say, you know, we got to perform better. We have to get the confidence of our coaches and our teammates, you know, and that, that would be my reaction. I, I'd be upset that they didn't feel that they could um, call a run play. I would, I would feel like, what the, what the hell? Got to be able to run the ball one time in that situation. And obviously, they didn't feel like they uh, could trust us to do it. That would be a reaction I might have as an offensive lineman. And I might ask the coaches about it a little bit, like, you know, and, and you know, they would probably go back to, well, in this situation, third and one, fourth and one, it didn't work out. They could probably give you reasons why. And then the amount of time that they put into situational football, goal line and short yard and stuff is extraordinary. And it's not just, they don't just take a play out of the playbook, you know, extraneously and say, oh, I'm going to throw that, I'm throwing that up against the here. It's, it's, all, it's all planned and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because they, you go on that, a 15-play drive, taking eight minutes off the clock and going over 80 yards and you get squadoosh out of it, that is a killer. That's a dagger. It's, it's not, not only that you don't put points on the board, but what it does to your emotion, your psyche, and all that stuff is, man, it's tough. More from LAP a bit later in the podcast. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Sunday's game is going to be a homecoming of sorts for what seems like half of the team. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Shelvin, and Lael Collins played at LSU, and Chase is from the New Orleans area. Wide receiver Mike Thomas played at Southern Miss, which is less than two hours away, and then you have the former Saints on the Bengals roster, Von Bell, Trey Hendrickson, and Eli Apple. 
Apple is not going to get a warm reception on Sunday after playfully getting into it with Saints fans on social media earlier this year. I talked to him this week. Eli, the team is two and three. All three losses are on walk-off field goals. What kind of emotional toll does that take? No, it hurts. It hurts, especially as a defense. I feel like we were responsible for those because we got to get off the field at the end of the game and close better. It goes back to the Super Bowl and stuff like that. If you want to win big games, you got to know how to close teams out. So that's all that matters for us. Despite that, I think we can all say that the defense has played great. You guys have not allowed an opposing offense to score more than 20 points yet. No touchdowns allowed in the second half. What do you think the defense is doing best? We're a good bend or break defense. I feel like we've been great in the red zone, but we still have areas where we can clean up communication-wise. So just got to continue to build. Personally, you have not allowed a touchdown catch yet. How do you feel about your level of play right now? It's been solid. I think there's more opportunities to make plays. It's got to be aggressive and know when I can pick those chances to go get the ball. We're chatting with Eli Apple. Describe your relationship with Luana Rumo. It's a great relationship. It's a great relationship. He's a great coach, and we know we go way back. So he's just one of my favorite people to be around, you know, just a great, genuine person. He has a lot of belief in you. How has that impacted your time here in Cincinnati? Oh, big time, big time. Uh, does a lot for my confidence, and for him to believe in me gives me that ability to go out and just kind of play my game. I want to go back a couple of weeks to the Thursday night game against Miami. Tyreek Hill issued a verbal challenge before the game. You did not respond. You let your play do the talking. He had one catch for seven yards when you were in coverage. How did you feel about it? It is what it is. I mean, I take every week like that. Like, I ain't got to have a receiver saying anything. I just, in my head, feel like that's how everybody, you know, views me. So. That's just how it is. You got to play with that chip on your shoulder regardless of who's saying whatever, who it is. You just got to wake up and know you got to go dominate. You didn't respond before the game. You didn't really respond much after the game. Does that represent a change? No, it's about, it's about the team. I'm more of a, you know, last year was what, what it was. But I know this year is about, for me, uh, as a unit, doing what I can to, you know, bring wins. And that's all I care about. This Sunday, the Saints come at you with a receiving trio that's about as good as any in the NFL. Former NFL Offensive Player of the Year, Michael Thomas, your former Buckeyes teammate, Jarvis Landry, five-time Pro Bowler, Chris Olave, first-round pick out of Ohio State. He's off to a great start. Is this one of the most formidable trios that you will face? No, it certainly is. Every week is a new challenge, so it's got to get up and watch the film and be ready. You're heading back to New Orleans. You spent a couple of years there. Played an NFC Championship game there. You got into it a little bit with Saints fans back in January. Among other things, you took a shot at New Orleans food. <laughs> what kind of reception do you expect this week? Hey, it's always loud there, so I expect it to be rocking. And I just want to go in there with a great mentality to go out and dominate. I love New Orleans food. It's just not your cup of tea? No, nah, it's great. It's great food if that's what you like. They got everything, If you know, if you like that stuff. You're two and three, but you're just a game out of first place in the AFC North. How do you look at the overall picture through five games? It's early. It's early, man. So, so I keep going, keep chopping wood. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you, Eli. No doubt. Eli is a key member of a Bengals defense that is holding opposing quarterbacks to a 72.1 passer rating. 
That's fourth best in the NFL behind Buffalo, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. This week's opponent, New Orleans, is allowing a passer rating of 91.5. Now, let's take a look at the injury factor this week. Bengals left tackle Jonah Williams had to be helped off the field in the second quarter last Sunday night, but came back and played well in the second half. Jonah didn't practice on Wednesday, but hopes to play on Sunday. That's what I'm working for, you know. Um, I dislocated my kneecap, so it's like a matter of trying to uh, just take it day by day, and I'm in treatment all the time, just trying to get it feeling good so I can do it on Sunday, you know. How sore was it on Monday? It's pretty rough, yeah. <laughs> it's re- it pretty rough. The adrenaline take over? For sure, yeah. I mean, it's Sunday night football and a divisional opponent on the road. Like, I just I felt like it had to be out there. and um, It was non-contact, buckled on me. Planted my foot weird, kneecap slipped to the side of my leg, came back, and it felt like buckling, which is usually a bad sign, but when the doctor was feeling it and said all the like important ligaments felt strong, then I, I you know, that was a relief. Um, so after that, it was just trying to, you know, see if I could play, and I felt like I could, and so that's what I did. Two former offensive linemen, Dave Lapham and Joe Walter, can relate. Fortunately for him, it it dislocated, and that's not fortunate, but I mean, it could have been worse. It dislocated and came back in, subluxed and came back in. So it didn't do any damage, collateral damage to ligaments, tendons, and all that. And have you ever dislocated anything? No. I, I dislocated my elbow, and uh, we're playing up in Green Bay, and I go to cut a, off a big Mike McCoy, this big defensive tackle, a big load, and I'm scrambling, and, and he falls on my arm, and I got my hand planted. And so he just bends my arm the wrong way, and boom, it dislocates. And I'm like on the ground, like, oh, and I, I can't get it to go back in. You know, it didn't sublux. So they come out, and they grab my thumb and pinky, and they're like, we're going to reduce it, you know. And boom, they snap the thumb and pinky. Boom, it doesn't go back. I'm like, and they say, give us one more shot. I said, that's it. One more shot. And, that, and they got it to go back in. So go to the sideline, and they tape it up like a cast, you know, a 60-degree angle. Tiger comes up to me. You're playing, ain't you? <laughs> and I said, Tiger, I hadn't really thought about it yet, man. I just got it, you know, repaired here, got it put back in place. I said, I'm not sure the way they get it. I, I can't get in the stance of playing right guard. I'm not sure. Put your left hand down, damn it. You're playing. Put me right back in there. So, was your backup that bad? Couldn't he have gone? I know. In? I know. It's it's like he was he was out there for a couple of three plays and wasn't going very well. So Tiger, <laughs> Tiger ran me he ran me out there pretty quick. And it, it's it's like, but that's the key is is if it doesn't start my, mine uh, you know stuck in the soft tissue or whatever and did a little damage to that soft tissue stuff so it wouldn't sublux back. Right. You know his slid I guess you know you don't want it to happen for sure. And the thing is that they told me. We're going to have to tape it up the rest of the year now because, you know, once it happens, it's going to, it's going to dislocate easier. You know, right. if, you're, if you're in – like, I'm, I'm trying to pass block like a one-arm paper hanger. I'm trying to hit Mike McCoy in the middle of the chest with one hand. Right. And he's, like, just zeroing in on the one bad wing, and he's just coming on that side, you know. And So it's like if, you, if I tried to jam, it might have dislocated on me. So it, it, that's um, – I admire the guy for doing what he did and – you know, going in there and, and sucking it up, really. Yeah. You know, because you're talking, you're talking about the foundation, your legs. I mean, that's vitally important. I mean, like that's the first thing. Your right. hands and arms are the, are the second thing, but that is number one. And um, 
he still looked like his footwork was pretty damn good. I mean, he's a very athletic kid. There's oh, no yeah. doubt. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Before we get to the Saints injuries, and they are numerous, we remind you that the Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. On Wednesday, the following players did not practice for New Orleans due to injuries. Their top three receivers, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry, along with four-time Pro Bowl cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. Quarterback Jameis Winston, who missed the last two games with back and ankle injuries, was listed as a limited participant. We discussed the Saints' injuries with the radio voice Mike Haas when he joined us on the Bengals' game plan show, but we started out by getting his thoughts on the Saints' Swiss Army knife, Taysom Hill. Last week, the former BYU quarterback rushed for 112 yards and three touchdowns, threw a 22-yard touchdown pass, returned three kickoffs in place of the injured Deontay Hardy, and even recovered a fumble on the punt coverage team on a fake punt by Seattle. I I thought one of the best lines that Taysom had was post-game when they were talking about him doing different things, and he just said, you know, I just work here. And And that's really what he did, from returning kicks to recovering a fumble, I guess the biggest change for us was that we had, we had not seen him throw. We had not seen him really hand off much when he does his QB power right or left, which he did to Kamara, which picked up a first down. And then, of course, the pass. I mean, just running the ball in general, he has been so effective. But now there's a – finally, there's kind of this new wrinkle where you really don't know what he's going to do back there. And so it was, it was truly amazing, especially when he started returning kickoffs, because this is not a guy who is not unfamiliar with the injury category. He has spent most of his college career and pro career running into walls and continues to do so. It was, uh, it was an extraordinary performance. He's a very humble, uh, genuinely nice person who just, when you say lays it out there, his body comes in like fists. Of, of where it counts on the list. So Hill has got a 60-yard touchdown run, one of his five touchdowns, tied for fourth most in the NFL rushing. And then on the flip side of it, of his 21 carries, four are on third and one, and he's converted every one of them. So they'll go to him to convert the short stuff. He'll bust the long stuff. I mean, th- this, this guy is, is crazy. We were just talking earlier about the big play, the explosives. He's got a 60-yard touchdown run. You have four different receivers that have a a reception of 40 yards or more. Um, But you've given up a 67-yard touchdown run, a 67-yard touchdown pass, a 68-yard return uh, on an interception. I mean, how many explosives have the opponents gotten? You've got a lot of explosives going offensively for the Saints. Has it been equally um, as big of an explosion by the opponent? Mostly that came in the last couple of weeks. Clearly last week was uh, the worst that it has been. I think it was six explosives of 32 or more, and three of them uh, were touchdowns. Um, Lockett had a 40 and a 32-yarder. So last week was was kind of the worst display of that. The Saints have been pretty consistent. They get a, get a couple, and really it's it's been Taysom. Taysom had a 57-yard touchdown run earlier 
this year, and then the 60-yarder, the two eight and nine-yarders. So a lot of the explosives, other than Kamara's 54-yarder, they haven't been in bunches. They've been just kind of here and there, and they've also been behind. They've been behind every game except for one where they led Tampa 3 nothing at halftime. So they've, they've thrown the ball more and lends itself to a few more bigger plays plus 20, but you're right about the problem. You can have all the plus 20s you want, but if you give up an equal amount of 20 pluses, you're, you're in trouble. We saw that last week with Seattle. The radio voice of the Saints, Mike Hasse, is our guest. Jameis Winston has missed the last couple of games with uh, back and ankle injuries. I guess he was limited at practice today. The Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, has started in his place, uh, led the team to a victory last week. What's your best guess, Mike? Who do you think will be the starting quarterback on Sunday? If I'm guessing, and that's clearly what it is, I would say that the Saints stick with Andy Dalton. He's doing exactly what he this offense needs him to do, playing not conservative, but just taking what the defense gives him. Jameis has not practiced in two full weeks, didn't practice in London, didn't practice last week, uh, limited again today. I just, it would, he could, but I would think that we'll learn a little bit more this week. If he doesn't really practice tomorrow or Friday, he might go full Friday, but if he's limited again tomorrow, the way Dalton has played, he's had the one interception, the one fumble. I would be surprised if they went with Jameis unless he was just back full steam ahead tomorrow and, and his health was not a concern. But I, if you ask me right now, on um, whatever day this is, Wednesday, I would say it'd be Andy Dalton. Yeah, Andy's got a history of not screwing it up. You know, there's no question. And I, I look at Winston. He's got four touchdowns, five interceptions, and all of them have occurred in the fourth quarter. The good and the bad the involved in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. Um, what about the game is brutal for him. Yeah, yeah. On defense, obviously, Cam Jordan is a star, a superstar. But Davenport on the other side, watching a little bit, he's impressed me. This kid, this kid's a legit player. And, and But the guy that has been unbelievable to watch, Warner. Every, every run, this guy's making the tackle. He wears number 20. What's the history of that? Did he start at some level as a, a member of the secondary? I know he went to Ohio State. But, I mean, every run play, this guy is involved in making the stop. He's unbelievable. He's a tackling machine. He has been. And I will say it's a surprise. He was a second-round pick. But he, didn't, he was kind of banged up, and we didn't see him at all really in training camp. So this has been the explosion since the start of the season. And – you got Demario Davis beside him. That helps a great deal. But he has just he's just been wherever the ball has been. He, he makes the right choice, makes the right lane, great in coverage, forces fumbles. You're right. He has been, I mean, with 47 tackles and most of them solo tackles, he's been a machine. Now, if you say, wow, did you guys see this coming? The answer would be no. He had a pretty solid rookie year, but because we didn't see much in training camp, it would be hard to expect – the explosion that we've seen. The concern the Saints have, of course, is not Pete. It's behind Pete and how they will cover, you know, your receivers. We're not really sure about Lattimore. I'd be surprised if he played. Paulson Adebo, Marcus May, JT Gray, all limited. I mean, this, that's a pretty banged-up defensive secondary yeah. right now. But you're right, Pete Warner has been exemplary 
uh, thus far. The voice of the Saints, Mike Haas, is our guest. Here's my final question, Mike. The Dome is a notoriously difficult place for opposing teams to play. Considering the Burrow-Chase-LSU connection, and to a lesser extent, Lyle Collins, will it be less hostile than usual for the Bengals? I think it'll be less hostile early, very early. But once they kind of get into the game, I, I don't. It was twenty. It was the twenty nineteen season, the twenty twenty championship game. LSU fans are a big part of Saints fans and Saints LSU, and, and I. There's. I think it'll be a, a small factor early, but after that, it, it'll, it'll be loud and anti Burrow and anti Case, at least in. In, in my mind, just because of how important it is for this football team. They'll pay their respects early, with, but other than that, when this game kicks off, both teams two and three, Saints trying to get so, – the Saints have played so poorly at home, I, I think the crowd will, will – I won't say they won't turn, but they'll, they'll, they'll be where they, where they need to be. That's black and gold faith. Appreciate your time. Thanks for carving time for us. You've been outstanding. And uh, my question is – Injury in the you mentioned injury in the secondary beaten up. I'm looking at the injury report. Seven guys didn't practice. Seven more were limited, and the wide receiver core seems to be you know decimated a little bit by injury as well. Is it is it equal to which is the most concern? Wide receiver injury factor or back end in the secondary injury factor? Well, I think someone told the Saints that there's some type of prize for the number of people on your Wednesday injury report because <laughs> it grows from 11 to 12. It's 14 now. Uh, to me, the, the bigger concern would be secondary. I think Jarvis Landry was very close to playing last week. I think Michael Thomas is getting much closer. I don't think we'll see Deontay Hardy. Uh, but in secondary, I'd be surprised about Lattimore. I think the, the bigger concern is – the secondary right now because somewhat because of Jamar Chase and Mike Thomas and Tyler Boyd and, and T Higgins. So I think there's more concern in the secondary because these receivers Jarvis didn't play last week. Michael didn't play last week. We feel like they're closer uh, to being ready. Whereas I'm not quite sure because some of the, the secondary injuries are, are newer and not having a lot more and not having, we did have Marcus May last week. It puts a lot of pressure on that on those those safeties when you when they're they're starters. Now you're talking about backups, so I would say the secondary is a bigger concern. Our thanks to Mike Haas, and here's an invitation to join us at the Wings and Rings location in Crestview Hills, Kentucky, for the Bengals pep rally show this Friday from three to six. Cornerback Trey Flowers will join us in the final hour, and we'll have plenty of giveaways throughout the show. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. By AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. And by Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde. Thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.